Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Well, hello, Father John Parks. Hi, Beth Davis. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks for having me. I just want everyone to know that we only had two episodes left in this podcast season. And the day before we were supposed to finish recording those episodes, Jenna went into labor. Yes. So she had a little baby girl. She's at home on maternity leave. And Father, you stepped in. Here I am. Here I am. Into the breach. Into the breach, yes. <laughs> oh, happy day. I'm so glad that she had a safe pregnancy and yeah. safe delivery. And how is she? Good. Yeah. Avila's beautiful and yeah. Now, are you okay that you're not the godfather of this baby? I'm, I am. Okay. I am. I, I, I took it well. I took it well. You're satisfied so with just one Gizar godchild. Uh-huh. Okay. Nico, I got one. I'm praying. So it's good. Thank God he needs you. Amen. Well, we also have Nell on the team. Nell is the godmother. Totally. And she's a prayer, so I feel good about that. Strong team. Strong team. Strong showing from Nico Gizar. I'm going to try to keep my side of the bargain. <laughs> Father, I was listening um, the other day to Sherry Woodell yes. talk about the generation of saints. Have you ever heard that phrase used before? No. It's apparently a real historical phenomenon that saints come in groups. They like knew each other in real life and were friends. I'm sure you have favorite saint pairings. Yes. Who, what do you call that when they live at the same time? Contemporaries. Yes. Right? And I was thinking, thank God for Father Parks, because you're my only hope, I think. Oh, no. For becoming a saint. That's very kind of you. I got to surround myself with other saints, you know? I feel the same way about you and Jenna, so praise God for that. I will say that I think three of the original 12 Jesuits all became saints. So that's pretty cool. Okay. St. Ignatius. Yes. St. Francis Xavier. Yes. Hey, yo. Who's Somebody the third else? one? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's someone else. Someone knows. Someone out there right now is like saying it to us, yelling it. I know. I know. Put it in the comments, you guys. Put it in the comments. Let yeah. us know. I could Google it, but it's more fun if you tell us. Amen. Months later. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll That's come right. back to it. Here it is. Um, Father, you were just sort of recently on a retreat. I was. With IPF. Correct. The retreat I was on was a silent retreat. I think that's what you're getting at. It was, Father. Okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I was trying to make it natural. You know, you could bring it up or or I could, you know, pitch it to you. It was a silent retreat. I could only talk to one person, which is my spiritual director, for eight days. Wow. Yeah. And there were other priests on that retreat. There were from all across the country and a few from Canada. And you all abide by the silence. As far as I could tell, everyone did. I mean, the silence is amazing. And breaking it would be terrible. So as far as I could tell, everyone was in it to win it. I didn't see anybody like chatting away in the corner or something. I did an eight-day a year and a half ago. And there was one person who just wanted to chat every now and again. That's interesting because they signed up for a silent retreat. Yeah. But they still just wanted to chat here and there. Yep. And then you, it's like you don't want to be rude. But it, it's very jarring for yes. someone to talk when you're in silence. Yes. It like really breaks you out of it. Absolutely. Just even small talk. Even, a, oh, excuse me. No, shh, shh, shh. Just be quiet. Yeah, it becomes very sacred. And just any totally. sort of noise is violating sort of the sacred nature. That's so true. Do you remember your first silent retreat? Good question. I think my first one was in seminary. 
I think we went on a five-day sign retreat. Okay. I was like, five days. That's going to be <laughs> wild. You know what I mean? think most people think that. They would be intimidated by five full days of silence. Yes. And I don't know if I ever told you the story. I was on that retreat. <laughs> These are all seminarians in my class. We're in Indiana. And one of the guys, like on day two of the retreat, shows up with a black eye. What? In the middle of a sign retreat. And I'm telling you, to not be able to ask somebody for four days <laughs> how they got a black eye on a silent retreat was killing. I was like, did he get in a fight? Yeah. Like, was he talking to a guy? And he was like, hey, man. And he wouldn't talk because he was on silent retreat. And he's like, that guy's really rude. And he punched him. Like, what happened? Okay, I, wait. Can I wager a guess? Did yes. you ever find out what happened to I him? I did. Okay. Did he, this would be my, this, is, this would be what I would be mulling over in the silence, waiting those four days. Did he either fall out of bed and hit his eye or his face on a nightstand? Or did he trip over something in his room in the middle of the night, like going to the bathroom because he's not in a familiar place and fell in and hit his face? I think he was laughing. Like like some the Lord like did something and he thought it was funny and he laughed and hit his face on the side of a chair. Like, no. Uh-huh. And then that gave him the black eye. <laughs> no yeah. way. So much better than, than the story <laughs> I made up. That's right. So, and then another guy on the retreat, I remember, he was just writing nonstop. Wow. I mean, like every lunch, he would just be, yeah. And you've been on a summer retreat, so it's so cool because when you eat meals, just the clink of the silverware, like you're sitting at, at a table with somebody else, but you, you obviously can't talk. And just everything becomes hyper. Totally. I feel food tastes better. Just the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. You know, I would credit IPF for any holiness, any strides in holiness I've been able to make. Because every experience of a silent retreat I've been on has been because some generous priest who's going through IPF needed to do some kind of like practicum. Yes. And they directed my five day. So I've, I've done that three times with an IPF priest. Yeah, we've had a number. I think we're probably over 20 now of priests in our diocese have been through it. And it's, it's amazing. Every priest says it changed my priesthood. Wow. Yeah, everything. The way they hear confessions, the way they preach, to the way they do spiritual direction, all, everything. Is there anything you would be willing to share? Any graces or anything that you took from this last silent retreat? Sure. I, th- I would say for me, and I feel this has been confirmed by others, that the silent retreats are very often about the love of the Father. Mm. So I don't exactly know why that is, but there's just something about I don't know. Jesus reveals the Father. He came to reveal the Father. And so from my very first silent retreat on when I was a seminarian, my first one with IPF was an eight-day, just so much about the Father, like images mm. that I, I've i prayed with to this day. There's a Protestant guy I love. His name's Graham Cook. And he just says, whatever God is, he is like to the nth degree. Wow. <laughs> so if he's faithful, he's utterly faithful. So yeah. in other words, when God reveals something about himself or about you, it's it's so true top to bottom, to its core, that you can just keep sort of unpacking it. Yeah. And you don't realize even how true it is. It just becomes more true, you know? And so I feel like that's true in, in sound retreats. Like there are things that were revealed about God the Father that just still resonate with me today. Mm. So I think it was a lot of just spending time. IPF really taught me about resting and receiving, that when you pray, you're really just trying to rest and receive from the Lord. Wow. And so just learning how to do that, trying to get to a posture of receptivity and when you're, when you're in the Father's love, that's like what it's about. You know, you're just, you're a son. I'm free. Wow. And um, it's amazing. One of them, I know I've told you this story before, is that I um, like hip-hop dancing. Yeah. And when I was a young person, somebody taught me how to do something called the Sea Walk. 
I can't really show you what that looks like, but it's pretty nifty. I mean, you could because it is on video. Well, I, I, could, <laughs> I, I could pull a hammy. And I just remember going on summer retreat. We had to do a meditation on like the Lord's delight in us. And I remember just being in this kind of uncomfortable pew and I close my eyes and I'm trying to pray and nothing's really coming. And I don't feel like I'm great with praying with images. Mm. But anyway, I ended up closing my eyes and I just got an image of like a a sanctuary in a church, which I just knew instinctively was my heart. Yeah. And there was like a baldacchino, which is that thing they build over over altars. It has like a, you know, another like, uh, I don't know, it's made of marble and then it has like four pillars, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like that. And then in the center of it, there was no altar, but it was Jesus. And he was, he was sea walking in my heart, right? He's yeah. like, he's like having a good time, right? <laughs> Dancing. And I just remember opening my eyes and thinking like, is that true? But every part of my heart wanted it to be true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like every part of my heart was like, I so badly hope that's true. So that would be like an, an example. But another thing I would say is so much of the, the prayer, like sound retreat, a lot of the graces sometimes happen outside of the hours. Like you have holy oh, hours yeah. that you do. Yeah, yeah. But as you know, sometimes you'd be like going on a walk or you'd be like looking at a tree or like God will just strike you. Totally. I had a friend, he's, he's, we were sharing graces and he said that he was really struggling and like, God, I just can't do it. And I just can't keep going and feel like I'm poverty, like I can't be a priest or whatever it was. Um, and he said he turned and there was a bathroom and there was a handicap sign, like on the bathroom, like handicap accessible. Yeah. And through that handicap sign, he just like, he's like, I'm poor. Like I'm like whatever a handicapped person is to the physical realm, my, my dependence on the Lord is so much greater. Wow. And seeing that sign... Like the Lord ministered to him through that and it like set him free. And he's wow. just having this like internal discussion with the Lord, you know? I think what I love about that story example is it's so, it's so the Lord that we can understand deeply and intuitively, like in a robust way, what the Lord is saying through a sign on a handicap stall. Do you know what I mean? Amen. And I think I've been coming around this idea that for me, the way to describe that experience is that that is the language of silence. The Lord didn't say anything, but I understood. Yeah, I would say two things. The first is certainly uh, for a Catholic, everything is kind of like a small S sacramental. Yeah. You can't take yeah, that yeah. too far. Like totally. obviously there's holy water and miraculous metals and all that stuff. <laughs> sure. So I'm not saying like every uh, a handicap sign in a bathroom is sacramental in that sense. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a sign that says something. Totally. And it's transmitting like the Lord, his voice, his love, you know? So all of creation is chock full of his glory. And he took flesh and dwelt among us and matter matters and God loves matter. It is good, right? So he's revealing something about himself. So that is all definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think I would say that's just true in the interior life is that in the interior life, there are things that you know, that you know, and you don't know how you know them. Like you just know that you know it's true, but you're not exactly sure how you know them. Because, and here's the way to get into that. If you ask the person who has encounters with God, you just ask them like, well, how did you know that was God? And they will tell you like, I, like I knew. Like it, that set me free. Yeah. My struggle with that sin went way down after that. Or I just had a healing or I was no longer, that didn't define me anymore. Whatever it was, they can tell you like the effect of it. But in the moment, if you're like, but, but how is that God? And if somebody with a sort of cold, detached atheist, I don't know if it would ever make sense to them. Totally. It would just be like, okay. Yeah. They just know that they know, but you don't really know how you know, but you know it's the Lord. Wow, that is a great definition. <laughs> I think I stole that from a book called Personal Prayer. 
receiving the Father's love. Oh, do you mean this book? Yes! <laughs> by Father Acklin and Father Hicks. Don't leave home yes. without it. Am I right? This book has changed my life. It's amazing. It has, first of all, profoundly enlightened and affirmed and opened up new dimensions in my own soul in prayer. But it's changed the way I teach and talk about the Lord. It's been a tremendous gift to me. And I share that because it was a gift from you <laughs> to me. You gave me that book. Okay. Did you forget that? A little bit. Father. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. I, I can see it meant so much to you. You were like really concerned. Like, what do I get, Beth? How do I how do I show Beth how important her friendship is to me? No, you didn't remember. Um, I, I when you as you were saying it, I was like, okay, it was all coming back. All right. I'll give you. I'll here's, give that to here's you. Here's another fun one. Blaise Pascal, brilliant guy, brilliant mathematician faithful Catholic, once said, the heart has reasons which reason does not know. Yeah. That's good. That is really good. That is good. So uh, I would like you to say a little more about that. How has that book changed? How has it opened up things in your interior life? How has it changed the way you preach? Oh, man. It's almost too much. Like I'm overwhelmed trying to think of how to express the gift of this book in my life. Yeah, every time I teach something, I find that I, even if it's not in my notes, I didn't intend to say it. It's the most natural way to explain prayer or my experience of prayer. I always, like I gravitate just naturally to using his language, his illustrations. He gives language to what I had already experienced, but could never explain before. Mm. And that's only possible if he has like a profound interior life. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a tremendous gift to be able to articulate things that when you say them, people say, that's true. Yeah, totally. That's true. I feel like something similar happened to me when I learned the rules of discernment by St. Ignatius of Loyola. Yeah. All you can say about them is, that's correct. That, yeah. that is how the interior life is. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, that guy nailed it because what he's saying is true. Or whether you consider yourself like Ignatian spirituality, you're just like, that's true. What yeah. Are you saying? Yeah. Is there a rule that you find that you come? I'm mostly just personally curious about this. Is there one that comes up regularly for you that you're like, thank God I know that rule? That's it. Well, of course, rule five is like, sure. In consolation, desolation, in desolation, never change course. Yeah. That, that'll save you a world of pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it just so will. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like you. You feel good about something, you discern something, you're going to do this thing one week before, you know, all these doubts come in. I can't do it. I'm not worthy. I don't, I got, I'm going to cancel the talk. I'm going to delay it. No, 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 friend. Mm. Did you have peace and consolation when you discerned it? Yes. Did you pray about it? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, so anyway, that is an invaluable rule. Yeah. That'll save you some heartbreak. You know, when I think about this book, again, there's so much that I could say, and you're going to think I'm saying this just because we're talking about silence and that is our S word of this episode. Yes. Um, but I think the thing that was most informative for me, instructive for me, was when he talked about silence. Like the many dimensions of silence. Silence in prayer, silence in our lives, silence from God in prayer. Yeah, again, it was just, um, I think before, when I first tasted the silence of God in prayer on a five-day, it was terrifying. Like I thought I had done something wrong. I almost, you know, with what little I knew of the rules, I thought, is this desolation? Like God is silent. But 
and yet he was profoundly present. So there was a conflict there for me, but I just didn't know his language as silence. It's like all along the Lord had been speaking my language in English, in images, through my life and circumstances and songs on the radio. And now he was beginning to speak to me in his language. Yes. Who, who is it that says God's first language is silence? I don't remember. It's Lo- a classic. Lots of holy people say that. I think that. it's the third Jesuit we can remember. No, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I don't remember. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a classic kind of truth of the interior life. God's first language is silence. It's true. Remember the story in the Old Testament where it's Elijah and he's seeking God and he's not in the earthquake, he's not in the fire, Yeah. but he hears this still small voice and he covers his face. Mm-hmm. Like he's like afraid. So it's like the experience you had. Yeah. Yeah. And the saints say things like John of the cross, like when you have a, not dark night of the soul, but like dark night of the senses, like you just don't have like a, you don't feel God necessarily. Yeah. He would say things like, that's when God is loving you the most. Totally. And Thomas Dubay wrote a book on that. And it's called Fire Within. It's amazing. And I can't remember if he's quoting John on the Cross or it's his own commentary on John on the Cross. But he says, gourmet food is revolting to a sick person. Wow. So even though it's the best food, your your affections is, are messed up. Yeah. And God is like correcting them by giving you the best. So sometimes we interpret silence sometimes as like pain. He's actually reorienting our souls to him. Isn't that amazing? Wow. This makes silence sound terrifying. And I know. When, you're, yeah, when yeah. you're getting into it, I don't know if it's it's not quite terrifying. I think most people would just find it like a little boring, <laughs> you know, and distracting. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, just from talking to women and my own experience, I think in, in my own heart and life, what can be the most painful of all of the suffering that we go through, you know, just as human beings, the fear or the experience or feeling of being alone is maybe the most painful. Like you can have suffering, but if you feel alone in that suffering, it's so much more painful, you know? So I guess I just, in terms of silence, I wonder if like when you're really seeking God and you're really hurting and then you perceive silence from God, how that can be not boring, but like really painful. Yes. Yes. And Father Ackland and Father Hicks say this, uh, in one sense, the silence can, just like a good spiritual director, will listen to you and then wait. And sometimes just in the silence that will bottom out the desire. In other words, you'll go even deeper. You know, mm. like you'll, you'll start to reveal more. Sometimes you, you tell the Lord something. So true. You feel like you're getting silence and then you start to like, and, and just unpacks more. So he's like very patiently, lovingly listening to you. And then other times you just have these kind of breakthroughs, I would say, where all of that silence, you just realized it's just kind of like held like in God's heart. Like it's all just, it's like all love that's just kind of encapsulating and holding it, you know? Mm-hmm. You just have these moments where there's kind of like a breakthrough. You're like, oh, he's, he is there, you know? Mm-hmm. Even though at the moment you may not experience that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, silence. It's amazing. Here's a fun one. Yeah. Cardinal Seurat in his book on silence, he, you know, he talks about how the revolution always begins in silence. Because the, the, every revolution has always begun in the same place, which is the human heart. Wow. And in silence, we're hearing God's first language, and he, he can reveal himself to us in a way, like, like in no other way. And so it's, it's true. Blaise Pascal also said, <laughs> all the world's problems exist because men will not be quiet in their rooms. Wow. Like we won't be silent. We won't just be with the Lord. We won't shut down and just open our hearts to what he's doing. Yeah. You 
Our, our world is so noisy. Yeah. It's so distracting. I just want to give people permission right now that yeah. can do this, that if you feel a desire to pray right now, you can just turn this podcast off. <laughs> Amen. You can just turn it off. Yes. And sitting in silence with the Lord for the next seven minutes in your car ride will do more for you than listening to you and I talk. That's so true. So anyway. Mostly because you can come back to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Catholic both and. It's the Catholic both and. You can have silence now, but come back to us. I will come back. We don't know if this is a week later or three minutes later. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's funny. I I find that in myself, I fight that. Even though I'm I'm thirsty for God in silence, I'm thirsty for silence, and yet, at the end of the night, I get in bed. You know, all day I've been looking forward to this time. I just pick up my phone. You know. Yes, I had mass this morning at six thirty a.m. on my parish, and then I usually get like the majority of my prayer time, like my personal prayer time after mass. When mm-hmm. I and so then I probably spent like. I don't know. I, I sat down at probably about seven fifteen, and the, and I looked at my watch, you know, and uh, I just remembered like wanting to run away, mm. and I feel that there's that desire a lot. There are times when I've gone to adoration chapels to pray in silence, and it's like a it's like a Herculean effort to just get out of the car. Father, me too. Like I have like been in the car, and I'll be like trying to like find something to distract me, like looking at like a YouTube like sp- sports clips video, totally, and I'm ten feet away from like the God of the universe yeah. you know, in his true and substantial presence. And most of the time when I just like, Lord, we're doing this. And I just like get up and walk in within like a minute. I'm like, why did I ever, Yeah. why did I not come in here? Yeah. But anyway, I just want to acknowledge that you're saying that, you know, the catechism says prayer is like the great battle of our lives. Yeah. And it's just true. Like you have this time set, a time set aside for prayer. And there's just like a little part of my heart's like, nah, I don't want to do that. To me, it's, a, it's one of the clearest signs of original sin. Oh, interesting. Like, how could I not want to do this? Yeah. Like, like, I know intellectually what this is. Like, I'm tapping into eternal love. <laughs> yeah. Which is the desire of every human heart, the desire of my heart, you know? And I can have a foretaste of heaven, you know, just all the, all, everything. <laughs> right. And I don't want to do that. I'd rather do something that I know is frivolous. Like, I know is, I'd yeah. rather go, like, get an ice cream tea or, and, but I know that's all, Yeah. you know, dead ends. Isn't that weird? Wow, I need to, yep, dead ends. That's a great way to describe that. Or as the Lord say, why spend your money for what feels to satisfy? Totally. I've never heard anyone else say they like sat in the parking lot outside of- Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, I I have spent so much time sitting outside chapels. Like, (laughs) what are you, just go in. Like, We should start a ministry. We just hold signs (laughs) and adoration chapels that just say, go in. Just come in, come on in. Looking for your sign, this is it. I was in Ireland the second time without you, sadly. I'll be okay. But I'm glad you got to go the second time. Yeah, and you might too. go a third time. Anyway. I am going a third I know, time. I know. <laughs> okay. So we were downtown in Dublin, like on this like main city walk. Have I told you this story? I don't think so. There is an adoration chapel in the middle of the city, like on the main road. Are you serious? Yeah. So there's like a river in between. I mean, this is my memory, but... And it's, it's right there, like shops. We went to a concert in like a bar half a block down. Here's an adoration chapel, like in a storefront, essentially. And we walk by and my friend Julie, she's like, hey, this is an adoration chapel. And I was like, what? How crazy. And just as she was explaining that, this older gentleman comes out and he says, like, are you, were you going to come in here? He's waiting for you. He's no he, way. He's here for you. I like started crying on the street. It was unbelievable. 
That's amazing. So we need guys like that outside of every adoration chapel across the world. And he said it with a brogue, with an Irish accent. He did. I didn't want to try it and embarrass myself, you know? Your Irish accent is incredible. but Thank you, Father. It's so good. <laughs> it's very good. That is so beautiful, though. Yeah, it was he, cool. He said he's waiting for you. Yeah. Come on. I, when I was just on this retreat, um, I, it, this was actually, sorry, this was like four months ago, but with IPF. And I was in a prayer time and I just got a sense that um, I went in and I just realized, I was like, I'm going to go pray. I'm gonna, trying to get in the zone, you know? <laughs> and as they say in personal prayer, it says praying is like sleeping. So when you want to sleep, you pretend like you're sleeping. Yes. I loved that. You put on your sleep clothes. We call pajamas. You get under the covers. You turn the lights off. You close your eyes. You pretend like you're sleeping. And then voila, yeah. you're yeah. suddenly sleeping. So if you want to pray, you pretend like you're praying. You close your eyes, you fold your hands, you kneel down, and then suddenly you're praying. So anyway, so I was kind of going into that zone, and then um, I just got a sense that the Lord is already waiting for me. And so I was praying with that, and I was like, wow, like he was already there. So anyway, I was telling this to a spiritual director afterwards, and I, and I was saying, and I was like, and I got this sense like the, the Lord waits for me, and he said, say it again. Wow. And I said, the Lord waits for me. And he says, say it again. And I said, the Lord waits for me. He said, that's right. That's right. Prayer is not something you're like doing. You're not like conjuring it up. You're not having to like plead with him to make him come close. He's wow. already waiting for you. Yeah. I was like, whoa. So anyway, that's beautiful that that man said that when he's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's waiting for you. Like, get in there, you know? Father. Amen. I just feel like you, you just like imprinted that experience on me, you know? <laughs> he was just listening so intently. Yeah. And then when I said that, he like exploded. He was like eager to say it. Yeah. Say it again. Like he just knew that what the Lord, I was like reading this out of my prayer journal. He mm-hmm. just knew that what I was articulating yeah. was like a, like a linchpin of the spiritual life. And you need to know that like he's waiting for you. You know, this could be off the record, but isn't that your experience of spiritual direction? Like it's my experience in the well, I'm listening to people and there's a lot going on, but then there's like, there's one thing. Yes. Father innocent always says like, there's a lot of light on that. And that, it just like resonates in you, even though it, what you weren't in prayer, the Lord didn't say that, but you know it's the Lord. Yes. And that's what you are drawn to. What does that mean? There's a lot of light on that. It just, it stands out. I see. Like the spirit is on that. There's something holy about that. Same thing's true as a priest, my experience of hearing confessions. Oh, interesting. Sometimes people just like throw something out there and they yeah. think it has nothing to do with it. And you're like, oh, that, what you just said is like really important, you know? Wow. And I think for me, as, as I said that, it's, it's the difference between like something about identity. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, like you're in spiritual direction, you're just like talking about like, I, I was kind of tired in this holy hour and I was praying with this scripture and I was doing that. And sometimes I wonder if the Lord even cares about me. And then you just like, keep going, <laughs> you know, and your spiritual director is like, why don't we uh, go back to that part where Hang you on. said. Hang <laughs> <Yeah. the> <laughs> You know, you feel like he doesn't care about you. Why don't we talk more about that? You totally. Know? So that is... That's really beautiful. I also think that 90% of the fruit of prayer occurs outside of prayer. Do you know what I mean? Like so many times, mm. if you pray, then you you have an awareness of the Lord sort of all times. That's the only way to fulfill like St. Paul's adage, like you're going to pray without ceasing. Because he didn't say say prayers without ceasing. So there must be a way to pray all the time. Yeah. So what does that mean? It's probably something like you can practice the presence of God. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the catechism says to pray at all times, we must pray at certain times. And when you pray at certain times, you become aware of the Lord 
all the time, sort of like seeps into all the other hours of your day, you know? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's amazing. That catechism reference, the whole session on daily prayer is built on that scripture. Oh, amen. And or that catechism reference and that verse, pray without ceasing. How can we do that without being anchored in God's presence and learning his voice as you were describing in the, in the beginning? If we don't learn his voice in prayer, when we're giving him our attention and in the word, if we're not training our souls to be sensitive to his spirit, we have like no chance out in the world of perceiving that still small voice. We have to be rooted in daily disciplined prayer if we want to be sensitive to him. Amen. You're reminding me that even the word disciple and the word discipline have the same root word. Mm. So yes, you, you just have to do that. That's so good. So here's a question I have for you. Are you asking questions on I, the podcast? I am. I am. I'm growing. I'm growing. <laughs> wow, Father. I know. That's Thank something you. I've struggled with in the past. But <laughs> after a lot of time in silence, I'm getting a little better. So uh, the question is, what would you say to someone, or even young Beth Davis, like why is silence so important? What would you say to young Father John Parks? Get in there, buddy. Get out of that car. <laughs> Come in. Get out of that car. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, good question. I'm think. Uh, gosh, let me think about that. I think. I mean, this was the position I was in 30 seconds ago. I don't know. Yes. This is a really good question. I feel like I'm just setting myself up, but I, I, I hadn't really <laughs> thought about it. It was a legitimate question. I think, first of all, I think silence magnifies what's ever in your heart. So you come to know yourself in silence like nothing else. But with that, I feel silence just makes me really have to just confront the Lord or probably better said to be confronted by him. Mm. And I've been praying seriously for a long time in my life. And yet, you know, there's always like, like, do I know how to pray? You know, you're like asking the Holy Spirit, like teach me how to pray. And do I know how to pray? And, but there are times when you're in silence and I just, like, I'll just be talking to the Lord. You know, like, I want to see your face. or I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Just make me like you, you know? And uh, it's like the bottom floor. And, and all the kind of um, frivolous desires yeah. just sort of go away. Yeah. And you're just alone with the Lord. And you just want him. You just want relationship. That's really what you want. Uh, what I want at the desire of my heart. I mean, if somebody asked me why I'm Catholic, on some level, I think I would just say, I've come to believe, and this is only through silence, that I want everything. That's all. I just want everything. I want like truth in its fullness. I want all beauty. I want yeah. all goodness. Um, I hate death. I hate suffering. You know, like I just want everything. And I'm convinced that Jesus of Nazareth is the only one who can give it to me. So that's why I'm Catholic. Mm. But only through science that I even come to to realize that. And then another thing that's, you may have covered this before about um, the four like ways of a relational prayer, four steps, like acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. You covered that? In that exact same well talk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's actually harder than we might want to admit to even acknowledge, even be even aware of yes. our own interior lives. I Ignatius, like uh, beware, understand, take action. That's like what the rules is based out of. But step one is be aware. A person just has to be aware of their own interior movements. And I think you can live in such a busy, yeah. noisy world. You're not even aware of your own interior movements. So I would say silence just makes you, it magnifies what's in your heart that you're aware of like, oh, that's something. What's going on there? Mm -hmm. you know? And then at least you have the ability to, to, to think about it and then to 
like relate it in some way to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I feel like the the way that I have learned to acknowledge and relate those first two steps um, is really just through these like simple, small, almost like childish exclamations to the Lord, which is why I'm such a big fan of Therese and spiritual childhood. But just to, I was just telling the girls in the well the other day, like if you were to listen to my prayer throughout the day, like moving throughout the day and trying to be attentive to the movements of my heart, I'm like, Lord, I'm sad. I'm mad. (laughs) I'm irritated. I'm anxious. Like that's the beginning. And as you were describing, then it's sort of, then you relate, you get more into it. You kind of flesh that out. You're getting insight, just even articulating that to the Lord. He's giving light. But then you get like underneath it even because he's giving you the space in silence to explore it and to get it out. And suddenly that's not the thing anymore. I know you know what I mean, but I don't know yes. if I'm doing a good job of <laughs> explaining so it. Yeah. It's almost like our, 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 our thoughts sometimes are like fruits and sounds, it moves you into the root. Like yeah. what, what was beneath this desire? It also reminds me if the catechism, which is true, <laughs> says that the Psalms teach us how to pray. You just reminded me how like so many Psalms begin like in anguish yeah. or an anger or frustration. Like my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. But then they often end in trust. But it's the same movement as mm-hmm. you're saying, like mm-hmm. I'm acknowledging on a basic level what's going on. Something that I, I love about you, Beth Davis, there's lots of things. But one of them is that when I ask you how you are, you just tell me. <laughs> Like this is this is a class, Beth Davis. Beth, how are you today? I'm okay. I'm okay. And I just love that. There's there's not a need to be like I'm great, even though I'm not feeling that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna tell you, I'm like I'm okay. And we can always be like that with the Lord. It's ridiculous not to be because He doesn't love the image we have of ourselves. Yeah. Or the image we want to project to other people. He only loves us. Totally. And so that's all like a waste of time. He doesn't even know who that is. Yes. It's like the false self. We yeah. are only like kidding ourselves. That's right. <laughs> And we're not doing a good job, you know? That's right. It's, I remember this old advertisement for um, like grill covers. Like you put a grill cover in your backyard and then yeah. below it said you should buy it because like keep God's jealous eyes off your grill. <laughs> Get know. out of here. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. That it's is like, not real. It's like ridiculous. And, but it was like one of those late night shows. I don't know if they made it up, but okay. I think it's real. Okay. But the point is like, the, what makes it funny is it's so absurd. Yes. So anyway, it's like that. We're trying to like not tell the Lord what's going on. Yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, I can see everything going on yeah you know that right so that's funny you know I wonder first of all I think it's a testament to how much I respect you and what a good friend you are to me that I even can be free to say that to you but I I totally think that's because of the Lord like because I am learning how to be honest and vulnerable in prayer that is making its way out into my like lived relationships Yes. Yes. You're reminding me of when St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein, when she read Teresa of Avila, she was just like, this is true. Yeah. Like, so, but I think it's what you're saying. I think Teresa of Avila knew herself so well mm-hmm. through prayer, through silence, that she was just so utterly honest that when she articulated things, I think the experience you had from, from personal prayer, that book, she got from Teresa of Avila. Like, like that person is articulating things that I have felt, but they're actually able to put language because silence allows you to really like start to look at it, get mm-hmm. beneath it, see the contour of it. And then it allows you to give it to the Lord, you know, 
to say, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I want to give you, you know? What you're describing there, I think only comes with the practice of silence because I think initially when we come to prayer and we don't have a practice of prayer, of silence, our stuff does feel overwhelming. But the more we come before the Lord, it's like, oh, wait, I said that and okay, I'm seeing that from a different angle and I don't know, somehow it loses its, is gravity the right word? Everything is such a burden when we're trying to do it on our own and handle it in our own minds and figure it out. But the more often I come to prayer, I'm like, well, here's this thing again, you know? Yes. I become less intimidated by my own sin, weakness. I almost start to like understand and like my weakness. Not that I want to keep sinning, but that I, because of the experience of his mercy in prayer, I'm not stuck in my head, like under the burden of my stuff. I think that's right. Here's a natural analogy. Uh, you have a ton of stuff to do. You're feeling super overwhelmed. Like all these things are popping in your head. You're like, ah, and then you sit on, you make a list and there's like 31 things on the list. Yeah. But now that it's gotten out of your brain and it's on a piece of paper, it just feels more manageable. Even though none of it's done, <laughs> it's all still there, but it feels more manageable because you have like the contour. Like, oh, that's what I need to do. You know? Totally. Interiorly though, when you share it with the Lord through silence, you become more aware of your own stuff. You share it with the Lord. I think you instinctively know that you're, you're immediately not carrying alone. It's like if somebody were sharing with you and saying, I just feel so alone. Like nobody understands this about me. And then you were to validate that and, and empathically listen yeah. and be like, oh, because of this and this, you feel alone. And they say, yes. The great irony of that is the moment they said, yes, you understand I'm alone. They're no longer alone. Right, yeah. Because someone has now joined them. And so through silence, it's like you're given the means by which, like the currency by which to have this communion with the Lord. And when you give it to him, you're suddenly like, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yeah. Because now suddenly we're carrying it together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun. Um, it's a question. Yeah. For you. Um, so somebody's listening to us. Let's say they've been inspired, God willing. And they say, okay, I haven't really consistently prayed with silence. What, what should I do? What does that look like? Well, I would recommend going to an adoration chapel or a church to be in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Nothing better than that. Amen. Just the air clears, your heart lifts. Even if you don't perceive it in the natural, supernaturally, that's what's happening. And I would recommend if you're unfamiliar with silence or intimidated or you have burdened by it, I would bring a journal. And like you said with the list, get it all out. Because I think some of the noise is just like unacknowledged or like unprocessed things. But if we just put it down, get it all out. And what you said about like the Lord just lovingly listening, even when we think we're done, if he responds in silence and gives us room to say even more, then we really get down to what's at the bottom. So I would write it down. Amen. Yeah. What would you say? I love everything you said. I would just gently add uh, distractions are a big part of the, the battle of prayer. Mm-hmm. And that when a distraction comes, just very gently, just move it. Some people find it helpful to write down the distraction because then they can like forget about it. Cause like, oh, like my laundry popped in my head. Things write it down somewhere like an... But whatever it is, I would just very gently just move it away and uh, just go back to what you were, like the scripture you were thinking about or the, this truth of the faith. Just try to put your attention back on the Lord. Yeah. But if you get down on yourself, that becomes another distraction. Like, I can't believe I got distracted again. Totally. So you just... 
There's a lot of good ways to do that. I remember Father Matt Lowry telling me he would take distractions and put them on a conveyor belt and watch <laughs> watch them go away. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Someone else told me they would like sweep it away. And I think I told that to Father Matt and he's like, no, that's too much activity. Now I'm sweeping. I'm like, okay, conveyor belt it is. <laughs> I find sometimes I just tell the Lord, God, I'm just thinking about going to the store. Yes. I'm thinking I need to text that person back. Yes. You know? Sometimes sometimes the distraction can keep coming back so the Lord wants you to talk to him about it. Father. So that can definitely happen. That's very good. You're like, Lord, I can't pray because I'm so busy thinking about this thing. And the Lord's yeah. like, why don't you tell me about that thing? Why don't totally. I get into that thing? But all of this yeah. comes in silence. Yeah. That's That's the point. So good. I think we nailed this. I feel good about it. For a podcast about silence, we sure did a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cautionary tale, but <laughs> yes. Amen. Father, would you close this in prayer? Yes. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we thank you that you're with us and that you're for us. And I thank you, Lord, for all of those who are listening at this time. We pray that we'd have a deeper awareness of your presence with us at all times. We pray that you would stir within us our affection for you and a hunger for silence. That we would desire to be alone with you, the one who loves us. Please bless us, bless our day, and help us to seek you always. We pray this, Jesus, through your most holy name. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, you did a great job standing in for Jenna. Wow, thank you. Sitting in for Jenna. S- that's right, sitting in for Jenna. Yes, she was busy. Yeah. She's a new mom. Yeah. That's a lot of, wow. She is rocking a baby to sleep right now, I'm sure. You make it easy, Beth, so thank you. Father, you're the best. Come on. Go go hear those confessions, Father. Amen. Get out of here. <laughs>